following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Well, those of you who were uh, at Baber on Martin Luther King Sunday when our congregations joined together for the first time, woo, uh, <laughs> remember that uh, Reverend Simmons invited me to bring the word that day, which was a wonderful experience for me. Uh, if not for any of you. <laughs> Today, uh, Artisan is going to return the favor, and uh, we are privileged and, and overjoyed to hear the word proclaimed by uh, Reverend James C. Simmons from Baber AME Church this morning. So, uh, would you come up, please, Pastor? And I'd just like to. Uh, pray for you and with you before we begin. Is that all right? All right. Join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for the beauty of this day that we've already experienced, for the, the, the presence of your Holy Spirit that we have sensed this morning. And uh, as Reverend Simmons brings the word to us today, we pray that we would be blessed and challenged by it, that our hearts would be changed by it and uh, that we would not leave this place uh, as comfortable as we came, but ready to do your work more deeply and better. In Christ we pray, amen. I have jumped the gun slightly, my friend. I'm going to ask our scripture readers to come and read the scriptures. Yeah, you go back down, that's okay. morning. Connie and I are going to read this morning from Galatians 3, 23 through 28. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian, for in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For For all all of you you are are one in Christ Christ Jesus. Jesus. All right, and now will you welcome Reverend James C. Simmons to preach the word to us this morning. And let the church say amen, Amen. and let the people of God say praise the Lord. Lord. I mean, this is a tremendous and wonderful and beautiful sight, and for that and to that, we give God just tremendous praise. I mean, this is wonderful, and I thank God how he has brought us together and allowed us to be in the service together one more time. Amen. Amen. I want to thank God for um, your pastor, um, Reverend Scott Austin. You have a tremendous pastor who has a tremendously humble spirit. And um, I think um, we, we, um, we're on the clergy council together, 
at Northeastern. And I appreciate your pastor because when the meeting gets boring, he leaves and I leave right with him. (laughs) So for that and to that, we give God praise. (laughs) I want to thank God for Shane and Jenny, Connie and Sister Vaughn, who are work together to bring us together in the in-between time. And I thank them uh, for what they do to bring us um, together. I'm I'm thankful for um, different worship environment. And um, I learned a long time ago that different does not mean deficient. And that even in differences, you can feel and experience the presence of God. And Lord knows we have felt the presence of God on today. I was writing some stuff down. I said, that's all right. I said, said, we're going to have to get the guitars and the bass. I mean, that was on it. I appreciated that. I enjoyed that something good. (laughs) So we thank God for that. And to that, um, I do want to introduce um, to the Baber family and to everybody, um, we have a young lady who um, has moved to the city of Rochester to attend school at RIT, and um, she um, is the daughter of AME pastors in the 8th Episcopal District of the AME Church, and we're so glad to welcome and add Sister Jalon Hall to the Baber family. Amen. Stand up so we can see you. Amen. 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 As we say, be at home in the house of the Lord and with the family of God. In dialoguing with Pastor um, over this past week, we had the opportunity to talk about um, the recent events in Ferguson, um, especially concerning uh, the murder, the homicide of Michael Brown. Um, Pastor said, that if so led by the Spirit um, to preach something um, along those lines as our community perspective might be slightly different than your community's perspective. And uh, I wrestled and I prayed, I prayed and I wrestled, I wrestled and I prayed and I prayed and wrestled some more. (laughs) And uh, I did not think initially that we would head that direction, but the Lord did respond accordingly. In the meantime, we did bring with us um, um, a series of selected essays and pastoral missives concerning race relations that we have written over the breadth of time um, that have really been highlighted mostly um, in the Unite Rochester series uh, with the Democratic Chronicle. And uh, we do have these available for you after service. And perhaps, um, perhaps Shane and Jenny, uh, Connie and Vaughn, perhaps our next thing together is we come together and dialogue over some things concerning um, what's printed in material. I just thought of that. That's why I just said that. And pastor's shaking his head, so he agrees. But we also want to direct your attention to Mark chapter 5.
Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. I should perhaps say this in advance, um, if you didn't catch it from Brother Brian, um, it's all right if you talk back to me during the preaching moment. If something sounds good to you, you can say amen. Let me hear you try it. Amen. If something really steps on your toe, you can yell out, ouch. You, you can think of something even in between. I just saw Sister Brooks two seconds ago. Where'd Sister Brooks go? Sister Brooks, I mean, the other Sunday, she said, preach, preach. I said, <laughs> Amen. In Mark chapter 5, commencing our reading at the first verse, the New International Version delineates these words. They went across the lake, and when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. The word of God. Thanks be to God. If we can, for the next um, few moments, we want to attempt to preach from the simple subject, um, he sees the best in me when everyone else can only see the worst. He sees the best in me when everyone else around me can only see the worst. Let us pray. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. And let my soul look up with a steadfast hope. And dear Lord, let my will be lost in thine. Dear Lord, I've studied, but I need your strength. I've prepared, but I need your power. So speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. For your people are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Beloved hearts, Mark chapter 5 records Jesus' interactions with a demonic man named Legion. According to the text, the demonic lives like a wild animal in the cemetery, repeatedly cuts himself because chains cannot constrain him, and is isolated from relationships with others. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day amongst the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. In a later exchange between Jesus and the man, the demonic reveals his name to be Legion, or a Roman military unit that consists of 6,000 infantrymen, 120 cavalry, and associated auxiliaries. In some spheres, the term Legion also means just 2,048 infantrymen. Either way, the demonic is possessed by so many demons that fear and repulsion is evoked into his community and his community attempts to restrain him. He's possessed by so many demons that people treat him like he's less than human. Who else do you put out in a cemetery? He's possessed by so many demons that people act like he isn't worthy of love and compassion. He's possessed by so many demons that people let fear and distrust shape their perceptions about him. He's possessed by so many demons that he's treated like the invisible man and is placed in the cemetery. I highlight this text today. Because the demonic is not the only person that's ever been dehumanized. He's not the only person that's ever been stigmatized as criminal, inferior, and not fully human. He's not the only person that's had fear and distrust-shaped perceptions about him. He's not the only person that's been treated less like a human and more like an animal. He's not the only person that's been made into public enemy number one by his only person, people. He's not the only person that's ever been dehumanized. Matter of fact, there are people in this room right now that have been deprived, ignored, and skipped over at some point or another in their life simply because of gender or racial stereotypes. There are people in this room that have been profiled and treated like second-class citizens because media, politics, and other sources have repeatedly depicted them as sex-crazed apes, morally inferior, or as criminals. There are people in this room that have been reduced to sexual objects and mere body parts instead of a human of worth and value. Michael Brown was murdered unarmed and with his hands in the air because a police officer saw him as less than human. There are people in this room that have been tricked and kicked simply because they were birthed on the wrong side of the track. This demonic is not the only person that's ever been dehumanized. He's treated like he's less than human. His community attempts to restrain him and he's ultimately forced to live in the cemetery like a wild animal. Because you know, it's easy to throw people away that we believe are less than human. It's easy to criminalize people that we consider inferior. 
It's easy to harass people that we have made uh, into sexual objects. It's easy to shoot people that we think are worthless. It's easy to write people off if we think their life has no value to us. It's easy to treat people like dirt if we think that we don't need them. It's easy to throw people away that we think are less than human. So his community forces him to live in a cemetery like a wild animal. I think the demonic might have felt like the invisible man in Ralph Ellison's book. I am an invisible man. No, I'm not a spook like those who hunted Edgar Allan Poe, nor am I your Hollywood movie ectoplasms. I am a man of substance, of flesh and bone, fiber and liquids, and I might even be said to possess a mind. I am invisible, understand, simply because people refuse to see me. He's treated like he's less than human. His community refuses to see his worth and value. His own people attempt to restrain him and he's ultimately forced to live in a cemetery like a wild animal. But one day, a man named Jesus happened to pass by and Jesus saw the best in him when everyone else could only see the worst. Please notice that Jesus does not treat the demonic like his own community treats him. He he doesn't treat him like he's less than human. He doesn't treat him like he isn't worthy of love and compassion. He doesn't treat him like he's a wild animal. He doesn't treat him like he's an invisible man. And he doesn't treat him like he's inferior or second class. But instead, Jesus treats him like someone worthy of love and respect. He treats him like someone made in the very image of God. He treats him like his life is valuable. Jesus actually treats him uh, like he's human. Uh, So let me just pause right here and tell somebody up in this room today that I'm so glad uh, that Jesus doesn't treat us uh, like other people treat us. I'm glad he doesn't treat us like we treat ourselves. Uh, Other people talked about him, but Jesus talked to him. Uh, Other people laughed at him, but Jesus listened to him. Other people wrote him off, but Jesus wrote him in. Uh, Other people treated him like dirt, but Jesus treated him like a child of God. Others said that he'll never amount to anything, but Jesus knew that he was somebody. Uh, Other people kicked him. Jesus cared for him. Other people hated him. Jesus loved him. Only people only saw the worst in him but Jesus saw the best in him he sees the best in us uh, when everyone else only sees the worst Uh, I'm so glad on today uh, that Jesus doesn't treat us uh, like other people treat us uh, but instead Jesus treats us like we're made in the very image of God Uh, Jesus treats us like we're a holy nation and a royal priesthood Uh, he treats us like we are the head and not the tail. Uh, He treats us like we are above and not beneath. Uh, He treats us like we are the lender and not the borrower. He treats us like we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. He treats us like we are the children of God. He treats us better than we treat ourselves. 
Matter of fact, I just need to let somebody know that he treats us so good uh, that one good Friday uh, he was wounded for our transgressions. Uh, he was bruised for our iniquities uh, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him uh, and by his stripes uh, we are healed. Uh, he treats us so good uh, that while we were yet sinners uh, dying uh, in the grave uh, Christ died for us. Uh, he treats us so good uh, that all all things work together for the good of those that love him. He loves us better than we love ourselves. Well, before I take my seat and sit down, let me tell you just a brief story. There once was this church that had an old organ. And this church prepared to throw this organ away. They had called the man to come and take the organ and to throw the organ up in the trash. A scruffy man one day came in off the streets and he said to the minister of music, sir, before you throw that organ away, let me play that organ one last time. The minister of music said, nah, you can't play this organ. We're about to throw this organ away. We're about to throw this organ in the trash. We're about to create some new space in our sanctuary for something else. And no, you cannot play our organ. The man begged and said, sir, please let me play the organ one time before you throw the organ away. The minister of music said, this organ hasn't played right in years. You hit one note and another note comes out. You try to play one chord and it sounds like a hot mess. There's no reason for you to play this organ. The man, he begged one more time. He said, that's all right, sir. It can play all the wrong notes, but please let me play this organ one last time. Finally, the minister of music, he got upset. He said, fine, just play the thing and stop bothering me. But I need you to know that after you get done playing it. This organ is gone in the trash. This jacked up organ that ain't played the right note in 20 years is gone in the trash. So play it one last time and stop bothering me. The scruffy man that came in off the street, he walked up to that organ, sat himself down at the organ, adjusted all the knobs and adjustments, and he started to play that organ. And when the minister of music heard the organ playing, he stood in amazement because he never heard the organ play so well. He never heard the organ sound so good. He never heard the organ sound so together. And when the man finally got off of the organ, the minister of music ran up to him and said, how in the world did you get the organ to play so well? How in the world did you make the organ play like that? And the man just stood there proudly put a smile on his face and said the reason I played the organ so well is because I made this organ and I know what the organ can do well I just stopped by here to tell somebody that God made you and God made me and God knows what we're made of so don't let nobody tell you that you're nothing don't let nobody tell you that you're less than human because God made you God made me and he sees the best in us when everyone else can only see the worst
Amen. Thank you so much, Reverend Simmons. Artists and y'all are going to have to find somebody else to preach next week because I'm going to be a baber. Mm. Oh. That's right. <laughs> Our response to hearing the word preached and proclaimed at Artisan each week is to come to the table of the Lord together. And what a beautiful, beautiful response that is after hearing a message like that. See, Jesus invites us all to his table. And when you come and receive the bread wine, you are recognizing your own sin. You are receiving the grace in that moment that Jesus extends to you, which you do not deserve. Therefore, you have no right or standing to look to the person next to you and say, you don't belong at this table. The table of the Lord is open to us all. At Artisan, we practice it in the following way. We have bread at three different stations, and you can come up to the middle and go to whichever one is open and then process back down one of these uh, other aisles. You can tear off a piece of the bread, and you dip it right in one of the cups. We have wine and juice, whichever is more appropriate for you and for your family. And if you're unable to take juice of any kind, we have water at the center station. Tear off a piece of the bread and, and hold it in your hands, remembering Christ's body broken for you, and dip it in one of the cups, remembering Christ's blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Receive it into your mouth and into your body as food for your soul. Receive it, and in so doing, remember Christ's sacrifice. Receive it as an act of unity with the person standing next to you, with the church down the road with all Christians around the world and throughout time because we have all come to this table together. Some of us do it every week. Some of us do it on the fourth Sunday. It doesn't matter. The table of the Lord is a unifying table, and we will receive communion together. I'm going to ask the band to come back up here and get that song started because we have more people who want to partake this morning than usual. So we want to get going with that. As we sing our last couple of songs, the table of the Lord is open to you, regardless of your church membership or affiliation, regardless of what denomination you are part of, regardless of where you live, how much money you make, there is no dividing wall that is not broken down by the sacrifice of Christ, and our table is open to you all. Let's receive the sacraments together. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.